Welcome back to the No New Friends podcast, where I dive into my life experiences, traumas, heartaches, and failed friendships in hopes to heal, learn, and become the best version of myself today. I am your host, Sylvia Costa. Let's open up the conversation. So I know that I have spoken about a lot of my struggles when it comes to pregnancies and deliveries. I hemorrhaged with the first child that I had and going into the second pregnancy, I was very scared of giving birth and essentially dying. And I couldn't get that anxiety out of me. And I know every doctor tells you, you know, the baby feels what you are feeling, you have to calm down. And I've always been a very intuitive person. And so I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper into healing myself before having the baby. I was very sick with my second child. I just didn't allow myself to connect with the pregnancy like I did with the first one in fear of maybe losing the baby and protecting my heart and not being as heartbroken if something happens. It's sad to say out loud, but that's exactly what the feelings I was having. So I have a friend of mine that recommended acupuncture because I was so sick, so sick. I felt like I had the flu every day. So during the height of COVID, I reached out to an acu- a licensed acupuncturist. And unfortunately, he was not seeing anybody during the height of COVID, obviously, because um, we were we were not seeing anyone at that point. And but I always had him in mind. So later on in the pregnancy, I reached out to him and I have him on the show today. And I'm really excited to introduce you guys to Gregory Coleman. I was introduced to you by a mutual friend of ours, and I think a lot of her friends see you as well. And at first, I was coming to you for acupuncture. So do you want to talk a little bit about acupuncture um, and how you started? Yeah. So I've been practicing licensed acupuncturist in California since 1984. I uh, was was considering going to med school. I had a family member, an aunt, who was very, very sick with a condition called hydroencephalitis, where she typically spent 20 hours of every day sleeping. Wow. And, she, yeah, she, she traveled the world to um, uh, various clinics and healers throughout the world. Nothing changed. I became an acupuncturist because suddenly she had a a miraculous cure. She um, resumed a normal life after living this life for four four to five years. And the treatment that fixed her, healed her instantly, one session, was acupuncture. So I was witness to her life and saw an immediate cure. And I said, I want to be able to do that. Wow. What is this thing called acupuncture? Um, And funnily enough, in my town at that particular time in Santa Barbara, California, an acupuncture school had just announced in the in the paper that it was opening and um, enrolling new students literally within a week. And so it was like just divine guidance. And uh, completed the four-year program, became the youngest acupuncturist ever licensed in the United States. And I think I started practicing at about the age of 22, 23. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. I did not know that about you. Yeah, that's how I started. And you still practice today? I practice today. I practice in Pacific Palisades, 
Southern California, and most of my clients are in the entertainment industry, obviously Southern Cal. Um, so I see a lot of the movie stars, singers, performers, and, you know, help them in their careers and, and their health issues. It's a tough life. And uh, that's primarily who my clientele are today. When I, when I heard about you from a client of mine, she had told me that you really focus a lot on cancer patients, healing cancer patients. Cancer patients is a um, very large population of my clientele. And I got interested in, in uh, cancer primarily because my first wife died of cancer. I'm sorry. So um, suddenly it became you know, very important to me. And I studied, I've worked in hospitals, oncology departments, um, so it's very dear to me, both children and adults with cancer. It's on the rise so much right now. It is. And it's not just, you know, the, that individual, that patient, it affects everybody. They're connected to their family, um, young and old, no discrimination, poor or rich. It, it definitely affects the whole family. When I was curious about talking to you, I think I was a bit nervous because I was also told, I don't know if you want to use this term, but a spiritual healer as well. And you'd be able to read my body. And at the time, I had something called placenta previa when I was pregnant. And I had spoken to you on the phone and I told you that, you know, I was terrified of it. I had never had a surgery in my life ever and there was the possibility of me having a C-section. And you really helped, one, realize that C-sections are really not that bad. And actually, childbirth is very traumatic for a baby. Yeah, coming through the birth canal, it's the first trauma that you experience in life is the birth of it. And a child does not have that with a C-section. My husband said, wow, he came out with the most perfect head <laughs> with the C-section versus our baby that had, you know, the cone head coming out naturally. Right. So he just came out like this little perfect looking little baby with not a scratch on him. And Aww. he, you know, and it was very quick. It was, it was easy. And I think the, the fear of hemorrhaging the first time with my first child. And then the second time having something with blood again, you know, plus to previa being that you share, um, it's really the blood supply that you share that, you know, the placenta wants to come out before the baby. So just knowing that it was another blood thing, just it was in my my head, just, oh, my gosh, I could die. This I had I really had PTSD from the first time you you helped me. You sh you told me about ways to sit and lay to help resolve some of the placenta previa. It was almost fully resolved by the end. But because of my past experience with hemorrhaging, we still went on with the C-section, and I'm very happy to have done that. Well, it was a perfect outcome all the way around. Absolutely. You mentioned trauma from the first birth, and all trauma, I mean, the body basically is a biological computer. It remembers everything, like a computer re recalls every keystroke, every web page you've been on. The body, um, yeah, the, the body recalls. Um, records everything, every conversation, every happiness, every sadness, every trauma. Um, it's a biological computer. It remembers everything. So it's not you know, unusual to have fear and anxiety when you've had a previous trauma, as you said, PTSD from the first birth. It's, it's already programmed into the body. So very, very normal, very usual. 
and then you I had asked you about my father who was having some gut issues and you had suggested him taking digestive enzymes and that he was going to be taking a lot of tests and it was going to be a long process and he definitely did that he how do you I mean just us speaking on the phone how were you able to read these things from my from my body because you had mentioned you know you're not connecting with your baby and no one would have known that I don't even think my husband even knew that that was just something that I had in me that I wasn't allowing myself to even rub my belly and listen to music the same way and really just try to connect with the baby while he was in my stomach. How did you read that for me? Well, you know, that that's really very fascinating and interesting. I am a licensed acupuncturist, yes. But at the age of seven, um, I definitely was kind of wired a little bit differently um, in the sense that I have an awareness that you know, has developed and evolved. Wired a little bit differently. I was very sensitive. I had a keen sense of awareness, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I'm an empath. I just know things. It's it's not that I get clues. I just have an awareness, whether it's by phone or by touching somebody, um, immediately what's going on. I call it a download. I can download into that individual's mind and body and instantly know what's going on. My um, father, my sister and I, we feel the same way we, we, I, I think it's something you have to really believe in and tap into as well. I think everyone has a little bit of this in them. And there have been moments even before I go to someone's house, I'll just start shaking. And I already know I'm getting like almost bad vibes or something's going to happen. You know, my grandma passed away this past week. The For two weeks, I had really bad insomnia. There was one day in particular that I was just knew something bad was going to happen. Well, you're very sensitive then to energy and you're able to translate that energy into a thought pattern and or feeling. How do you tune into that a little bit more? The most important thing to heighten that awareness is to learn how to tune out. And typically that's with meditation. You learn to quiet the mind um, through meditation, just actually learning to be 100% blank of any thought. It's and hard to stick there with all these distractions in the world. Well, yeah, most people are running with social media and TVs and running and running. You know, we're kind of programmed uh, not to stop and be quiet and still. My sister had an experience with a masseuse when she was pregnant and the masseuse asked her if she could read her and her baby. And she had let my sister know that she had what they call an indigo baby, basically that her daughter is gifted. Mm -hmm. Yes. And now I've two or three times people have stopped my sister and said, you know, you have an indigo child. And it's just wild that she's, you know, been picked out to to be told that. And I think there's a similarity with, you know, your profession being an acupuncturist and masseuse. And I think it's the people that have to really touch someone. And when you get to that state of relaxing, you're letting out so much. I think you 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 guys feel that a lot. I, I noticed that there's a lot of correlations where you in those professions you feel what the patient or client or customer is feeling. Well, I uh, agree a hundred percent. I don't think we could enter those 
professions, you know, without having kind of that prerequisite in tune feeling, you know, being wired that way. It's amazing. I mean, there's some people that just do, don't believe in it or, but it, it, I mean, you can't deny <laughs> that there is energy around us. No, it can't be denied. And there's so many people really with profound gifts. Some people can see it. Mm-hmm. Some people can actually feel it. Some people can move and shift it. Um, it's there. The, the universe itself is nothing but a ball of energy. So do you find yourself doing more of that now? later in your profession? I do. I do. Literally, people come to me in my practice, and I just touch them. And I can say things like, oh, you were molested when you were seven, and his name was John. Wow. It it gets very specific. Wow. And if they had um, suppressed that memory, suddenly, you know, I brought it to the forefront, so to speak. It's it's come to the surface. Now they know what they need to deal with, um, why they are the, the the way they are, and now they can seek you know he, uh, help on a on a whole different level. Once you know what you're working with and what it is, you get to fix it. Yeah, you, it's like you have to name and face it. You do, as you said at the beginning, you've got to face the the lion. You've got to face the fear. You do. In I've, order I've been to... doing a lot of that in the past year. It sounded like it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. It, it's, it's been, you know, I, I would tell my husband, this isn't me. I'm, I'm naturally a happy person and, and I couldn't understand why or what, you know, I, I've had everything I've wanted. You know, I have the husband, the house, the kids and, and we're good. Um, there's so many more people that are struggling, you know, more than I am. And it was really my past catching up with me that I never processed before. Yeah, fascinating. Um, and it's all relative. Everybody has something, regardless of uh, age, sex, marital status, how much money they have. Everybody's dealing with something. You really helped open me up to, I guess, just acknowledging my body even more so more. And what it's also telling me, I went through, I feel like I went through a lot of imbalances in the last year, whether it was my mental health, my actual body. And of course, because I had a baby, but it was, do you find, because this is my own theory in my own head that I made up. I had my first child naturally and went through the natural process that your body in that your brain sends messages to your body that, okay, we're going to deliver, we're going to have this baby, and I push the baby out naturally. All the fluids and everything came out of me the way they were naturally, naturally are supposed to. And then I had a C-section, and even though they, what they say, they suck everything out, they suck the fluids out, I have this theory that because my brain wasn't sending signals to my body that I'm going through labor, delivery, and delivering a child, that it took me down a different route to recover from through postpartum. Well, as you said um, correctly, those neurological pathways um, were not triggered. Those sensors were not triggered. Yes. So, yes, absolutely. Very yeah. different from what I went through the first time. And, you know, we're hearing a lot more stories of postpartum psychosis. Yes. And it's so... it. It brings me to tears to hear about it because, you know, I had intrusive thoughts when I had the, after I had my second child and 
even though I knew I wasn't going to act on any of them, I knew I had the strength enough to do that. And I had the strength enough to say, you know, I, I think I need help. There are some people that cannot get out of that psychosis or and don't have the outlets to be able to recognize they're even in it. And so it's it's really sad to to hear these stories of, you know, mothers, you know, killing their babies or themselves and being pregnant in postpartum is a very serious thing. When we're when I when you're young, you just like, I'm gonna have, you know, however many babies, I'm gonna have the white picket fence and you are dealt with the pregnancy and the delivery and you don't realize it is a complete different line life change and you are completely changed from the woman you were before you had children. Yeah, 100% correct. And and a lot of women feel shame and guilt for having these feelings and emotions. And they think there's, you know, like something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. But it is it is a biochemical uh, reaction. I mean, so much change has happened, mentally, spiritually, physiologically speaking. Um, It's a it's a reset period. Uh, Although there is more attention being, you know, shedding light on it today. Yes. More awareness, but can you imagine, you know, 200 years ago? Well, yes. Uh, um, I spoke to a gentleman and he had told me about how his grandma was basically outcasted as a crazy person in, in her day because she was just dealing with postpartum. And I could, and, and, you know, I come from a very Portuguese background where, you know, we're, closed off where it's like Shh, don't talk about anything that's going on you know if god forbid you go to therapy that means you're crazy it, i grew up with a lot of that and so now having so many outlets and now i'm able to have this outlet and and tell people what i went through and i've taken the shame away from it and i i'm really just more so sad and I, a lot of my friends that have babies and are pregnant i check up on them a lot we have to normalize that it is um, almost it's like a chemical imbalance that happens to you. And, and thankfully, it doesn't happen as harsh to everyone. But I think we all as women go through something after you have a child. I mean, it's the biggest life change. It's the number one biggest life change that a woman really can go through nine months and everything that's going on. And then boom. Um, and you've got responsibilities. You've never done it before. You don't know what to do. Everybody expects you to be a natural. (laughs) There's so many things going on. But doctors are informing, you know, their patients about it, nurses and such, and like you're bringing attention to it. So the the outreach is fantastic today. Always need more, but um, education. Exactly. So acupuncture is good for anyone in general. I, I treat folks, uh, women who are infertile, um, so I use acupuncture to, you know, promote and increase their chances of conceiving. I treat women for to initiate giving birth. Um, I treat women for premenstrual issues, headaches, migraines, emotional. I, I even use acupuncture to help individuals um, find, if you can believe it, new careers and increase their money supply. Oh, it's you good. did that to me because I'm trying to find a new career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My, That's what I do. My gift in that area is to discover what the block is, what it is that's preventing you. 
you have such a gift and I want to thank you for, because for sharing it and that must take a lot out of you. Your energy must be so depleted after a session with someone. It used to be in the early days, but like anything else, the more, you know, you do, you increase your stamina, Hmm. whether it's exercise, whatever it is you do, um, you get stronger. So um, I can see 10, 15 or more people a day and feel just fine. That is incredible. Do you ever see yourself stopping? No, I'm not happy if I stop. I'm only happy if I'm working. Um, that's how I feel. I love what I do. It brings me joy and pleasure, changing people's lives and helping. So I don't have any intention of stopping. It's, it's, it's so amazing. I know that my friend that referred me to you, a lot of her friends have come to you and they just adore you. They love you so much. And sometimes when I'm talking to my friend, I said, have you checked in with Gregory? She's like, I haven't in a while. So Become, you know, a, a lifeline to some of us. I was saying that you become, you know, such an influ- essential part of some some of our lives to, you know, when we're going through a roadblock, we to, to feel like we have to check in with you. <laughs> Actually, that's what people say. You know, the, I've got a roadblock. Can you help me out? And then what happens is I start working with families, right? Yes. Um, somebody has a baby and then that baby suddenly now is the age of 10 or 12. Um, and suddenly I, I'm, I, I know the whole family, grandparents. Um, that's, I love what I do. How do you feel about crystals and oils and things like that? I use a lot of crystals and oils in my practice. Um, I use uh, sound bowls. I use anything and everything that um, can purify you know, the individual, the air, absolutely removing any kind of, you know, bad juju, any negative, all of those things work very, very well. Crystals specifically increase the frequency, whether it be good or bad energy. Yeah, I just, I I just started getting into crystals not too long ago. And I don't know, maybe feel like you have some connection to your loved ones or feel like you have connection to this spiritual world. I know that when I spoke to somebody before they had told me um, that you have these guides around you and they're just waiting for you to give them jobs. So I had always told people, you know, talk to your guides and tell them what you want and what you need and what you need help with. And Every single, and I don't do it all the time, but when I kind of check in with myself and every time I start to speak out loud and, you know, whether I'd be in my car by myself, things really start to unfold and start to take place for me. And maybe that's the law of attraction, but it's something. Well, that's quite profound. We all have guides. They all are waiting, as you eloquently said, Um, for a job, Um, and we seldom reach out and ask. Um, We should. It's when we need to that we we actually don't. Um, So they're there to help, and instantly you can have, you know, miraculous change in a positive way. Um, they're, They're incredible. They're all there for all of us. 
it's it's a beautiful thing and and i i'm happy that i've been able to to you know live with the belief of of it and i think it it comforts me um i had you know certain I think, I don't know if houses have different energy as well. I know that sometimes people say when you move into a new house, you should sage and you should cleanse it. Because when I had lived in a house before, I was having a lot of weird things happening. I had even seen um, like a man over my husband and I had um, a sleep paralysis type of moment. And I couldn't speak to the gentleman over my husband. And I remember thinking, I'm going, I remember thinking, I'm going to think what I want to say to this person because I can't speak. And I thought, you know, go away, you know, leave them alone, leave them alone. But then when I had spoken to somebody, she told me next time, really hear what they're saying. And I haven't had that moment happen to me again, but I... I always think about, I'm like, man, I wish I would have just listened because I was scared. I was just scared. And I, I wish I would have listened. How do you feel about those type of moments? Now we're getting into some pretty deep and heavy, beautiful stuff. Um, (laughs) uh, If you don't want to talk about it, it's okay. (laughs) No, many buildings, many homes, um, the entities, I call them entities, for some reason, have you know remained there, mm-hmm. and generally speaking, y- you obviously are, are very sensitive and aware of it. I am. Um, I generally ask for guidance in helping them to discover what they need in order to move on. Yeah, yeah. I I think that um, somebody had told me that we have control. And I think somebody told, cause I, I wanted to stop being so scared of it because when you grow up, you're like, go oh, spirits, ah, you know? And, um, I was, I wanted to step away from being scared to be able, and, and somebody had told me we are in control here. So if you don't allow, you know, a negative spirit, you just say, go away. And they have no right to continue because we are in control. So I don't know if that will help anyone that, you know, is fearful or having any moments like that, but to just speak to them to say, you know, go away if you're not comfortable. Um, and I had, um, I had had a reading before when one of my friends had passed away and she had warned me that once you have these types of readings, you'll be open for a while afterwards. And maybe a a day or two, a few days after I had, this was my first child, I had looked at the monitor, the baby was making some fussy noises in the morning, and I saw a hand put the baby back into the crib. And I told my husband, oh, you're home? You didn't go to work? And he said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't message you when I got to work. And I freaked out. (laughs) I grabbed a knife and I started like, I have a knife. And I was, you know, scared that somebody was in my home and, and was in the baby's room. So I, you know, flicked the lights on and he's like crying. I scared him more than anything. And I tell my husband, he's like, you're just sleep deprived. And I said, I'm not crazy. I know what I saw. And I had contacted that woman after. And she, she said, you know, he's very new to this. And he was very young when he passed to this afterworld. And he's learning kind of how to be and he's making mistakes and showing himself a little bit more. She's like, you need to talk to him. So I, remember screaming and saying, 
I don't care if you visit the baby. Just do not scare me. And it's just one of those moments where I always think about seeing the white hand put the baby in the crib. And I just know I'm, I knew what I saw. I just knew what I saw. So sometimes we imagine things, but I, I really do believe that they're happening. Very often, if you're in a vulnerable state of mind, meaning I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm fatigued, um, very often that, that's when your senses become more heightened and more aware. That's very interesting. Well, yeah. I guess you're just more emotional, right? You're depleted a little bit, so you're, yeah. you're weak to, to shut anything off, I guess. That's exactly it. With... Um... When you do acupuncture, is it, are you hitting nerves? Um, acupuncture works on um, not nerves, but it's, it's considered the life force of the body. Um, the, Chi the Chinese call it chi. The, in India, they call it prana. But it's, it's the divine light force of the body. Wow. And um, it has pathways very similar in location to the nerves, but n we're not actually working on the nerves. What would be, so, you know, obviously you're very far from me, so I cannot see you for acupuncture. It, looking for someone to do acupuncture here, are there any signs of like a good acupuncture, a bad one? Um, because I'm sure there are just people that enter pr the profession but don't have you know i don't know i feel like you have to be in, in a sense like you that has um i guess where you're wired differently like you said yeah you, you you don't even entertain the idea of doing natural healing unless you are wired mm -hmm. a little bit differently but the most important thing to look for typically is you know someone who has been practicing for some years. Maybe they can, you know, provide some testimonials from patients um, that they've worked on. Um, you know, obviously uh, check out their education. You know, where they went to school, etc. Just, just kind of the normal uh, process of, you know, investigation. But acupuncturists themselves—they're they're very good-hearted people. Um, they wouldn't choose such a profession, um, unless they were good hearted. Wow. Well, you definitely have a beautiful soul and heart. You just hear it in your voice. The first time I ever spoke to you, just your tone calmed me down. <laughs> <laughs> I was shaking my car cause I was so scared, um, you know, of, of having this newly diagnosed placenta previa and, and fearing of death and, and you really helped um you really helped read my body and, and allow me to have the knowledge to know what to do as far as how I lay, how I'm stretching, um, the things that I was consuming, connecting to to the baby. You really helped me mentally just calm down and you know that it wasn't a scary thing, that C-section wasn't a scary thing. And, and even if it does go down that route, which you said it probably would, um, it wasn't a bad thing. And I think that I was so fearful of, you know, going under the knife rather than it being this natural, beautiful thing. And it's okay to, to not have it go that route. 
Well, you've, you've men- mentioned several things during the podcast. And one thing, you know, that constantly comes up is fear. Um, <clears throat> and kind of understanding where that fear comes from. And the first thing, the most important thing is to address it. Because it's probably normally a reaction to something that's happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing with anybody in a fearful state is to calm them down because then that changes their body chemistry. It, the the uh, adrenaline is not pumping. The heart's not racing. I always recognize, I mean, I can have an instantaneous headache if I touch somebody. Okay. I can completely start crying. Sometimes I'll just start crying. My eyes will tear up and and tears will. And I say to myself, oh, this isn't me. This is them. And as soon as I say that, I kind of am able then to shake it off um, and have it not penetrate me or exhaust me any deeper. Um, But that's the, the, you know, the other side of being an empath. You feel everything. If they're nervous, if they're anxious, if they're sad, if they're depressed, if they're happy, it's an instantaneous feeling that you get. Um, but after a while, you you become so aware of what you're doing and and in tune with it. It doesn't exhaust you. That's amazing. Well, I I want to thank you for chatting with me today. It's been very interesting to say the least. I'm I'm happy to learn a lot more about you because you learned so much about me. <laughs> it's your turn. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's what everybody says to me. You know everything about me. So I typically say, ask me 10 questions. I'll answer anything and everything. So we're on an even level. Right. I would love for more people to learn about you and and contact you because you have you really helped me and you you made me um, so calm. And there's not a lot of outlets where people can truly feel calm. You know, it's just like finding the right therapist. You know, there's there's some that just can aggravate you even more and you're not the right match. So I felt like you, you really helped me in that in that time. And I felt comfortable enough. There are times where I've spoken to some type of healers and I and I'm, I hate to say it, but I say like I'm not buying it from them in a way. Or I felt like they were more of a life coach rather than very more intuitive. And I wasn't, in a sense, vibing with them. So I think, you know, everyone has their um, way of healing and and how they can find someone or something to, to help them on their journey. But you really helped me begin the journey of healing. And I didn't even know I was going to start that journey yet. Well, I'm very happy to hear that the outcome was fantastic and you're growing and expanding and evolving and really becoming more aware of who you are and what you are and reaching out and helping others do the same. And that's really what it's all about. So congratulations to you um, on your continued growth. And I would say more importantly, your courage to grow and expand and learn that takes courage. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've, I've come forward with a lot of scary and dark times that I, <laughs> you know, and I was ashamed of it and I wanted to be less of the whispered about and, 
be able to own my own truth and say my own story. And that has, you know, really helped me too. And realizing that, um, you know, I come from a different time than my parents and the things that I have learned about how to be and why not to be, maybe, you know, their generation can't grasp that yet or won't, won't or are not there yet. Right. So I think it's taken a lot of, you know, me saying, you know, that's okay that they don't get it because I do. And, and now I can pass that on to my children. Yep, constantly um, evolving. Each generation evolves and helps out the next. Mm -hmm. I often say that this is a walk in the desert. There are no signposts. There are no paths. Each individual takes their own. There's no right. There's no wrong. Um, it's, it's quite a journey. And it takes courage. And it takes tremendous faith. Um, and each person finds their way. Absolutely. We have to end like that because that was so beautiful. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening and thank you for coming on. And um, I will put your website. I'm not sure if you're on any social media outlets. Okay. Looking forward to hearing from you again. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.